0: the opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point of Florida State's campus and the hottest room in seminal sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. Wherever you may be and wherever you may be listening to, we are streaming live on WVFS, F, wvfs.fsu.edu and are also on air locally on 89.7 FM here in Tallahassee, Florida, If you'd like to call into the show, feel free to dial us up at 850-644-3871. This is your host, Gabe Tisnes, and welcome back to another episode of Tomahawk Talk. We are a month away from spring officially starting, and as always, Tallahassee is on a different wavelength, but I don't mind that one bit. While it's certainly sad to have football games no longer over the weekends, we will be catching you up on everything else going on in the world of sports, including the NBA All-Star break, FSU baseball, FSU softball a little bit of soccer because i know my co-host is the biggest fan of the sport and as i speak about my co-host today we will not be having william haynes on the co-host booth but we do have our former host and fearless leader luke hazen back on the mic Luke, what's going on, my man?
1: Nothing much. I'm glad to be here, Gabe, and I, I'm the biggest soccer fan known <laughs> to all of humankind, with the your reds and your blues and mm. all those great teams, right? But um, in all seriousness, I'm 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 sad that William can't be here uh, to continue his co-host role tonight. He's a busy man. He's got you know he's the voice of uh, TCC baseball uh, among other things that he's doing right now. So wish him all the best. But I'm glad to be back, and I'm I'm humbled to be back in the co-host chair instead of the host chair.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, <laughs> I don't think we ever, you know, switched places while we were, you know, uh, over here in last semester, but you know, it's still good to talk sports with you. And I know you have a, a pretty cool gig with scouting after, after college, you know, so Absolutely. I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. More, more sports after just getting done talking about <laughs> sports. No. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really honored in, in March, I'll be starting a, an internship at uh, sports info solutions. It was founded by, uh, among others, Bill James. Um, basically, they just uh, work on researching, tracking, and, and analyzing data for Major League Baseball teams to use, and we kind of hand them out uh, in, a, in a way that Major League teams are able to, to use to inform their decision-making. So that's going to go. It's tentatively scheduled for March 7th. They, you know, depending on what we get from Major League Baseball, uh, I know they met again today down in, uh, near Miami to discuss ongoing uh, negotiation talks. I don't think anything came out of it, um, but I, I guess I could be uh, waiting a little bit more uh, more time before my internship starts. But yeah. I'm excited as always.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. And I'm really sorry that you have to wait, but there is FSU baseball to talk about yes. after all. So <laughs> it's not what you probably want to talk about, but it's also something that a lot of people here in Tallahassee love to see, especially with how the ba- the not the baseball team, the basketball team is doing. You know, there's got to be some sort of winning. Going on around here in Florida State. Um, to talk more about that, though, we have Amanda Golson making her third debut on the show. It appears. How are you doing, Amanda?
2: I'm good. I mean, great first weekend of baseball. I made my Batgirl debut. Not on the field yet, but um, <laughs> it was a really cool weekend. Weather was nice. Uh, great baseball, and I'm just really excited for uh, the rest of the season and to hopefully be on the field for a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's that's really exciting to hear from you. And you know, it's been. It's been really good to to see how you've come into the station and, and just made your presence felt so we're really happy to have you back on the show and making his debut is no hearing. He is obviously making his debut, but he's actually been covering baseball for us, uh the Twitter page. So no, how how's it how's it feel to, to be finally on the show? I know it's it's one of the, the biggest things that we got going on here at the station, so I'm sure you're you're pretty hyped, right? <laughs> um
3: yeah, I'm super excited. I'm glad you guys invited me on. Um and like you guys, you know, I've been watching the basketball team for FSU, and I've been covering Twitter, and it's been kind of disappointing. Um, So it was nice to just go and watch the baseball this weekend and kind of sit back and know that we, you know, we had the win in the bag rather than biting our nails down to the last (laughs) minute.
0: Yeah, it was certainly a pretty pretty comfortable victory weekend for, for FSU baseball. We'll get into that probably in the second half of the show. But before that, as always, shout out to Scott in the booth making us sound as best as we can. But yeah, before we we get into FSU baseball, FSU softball and a little bit of soccer, hopefully in the end, um, we'll have to talk about the NBA because we haven't touched on it at all this semester. Um, This weekend is actually all-star break and that's obviously an important part of the season, uh, not just for the festivities, that it seems like a a pretty great celebration of just the sport itself of basketball, uh, but it was also, the dunk contest which everyone loves you know and it just it didn't seem to live up to the expectations but in general luke what were some of your highlights some of your favorite moments there was a lot to talk about um about the all-star break itself but we'll we'll also touch on a little bit about the season and uh, where the teams are and where can we expect them heading into june
1: yeah i mean we'll we'll go back and we'll we'll talk about the all-star game for a second. Yeah. I just thought it was a great night to for for Cleveland and Akron in particular. I mean, you had the two biggest stars that have come out of Akron uh, in LeBron James and Steph Curry. Uh, Steph obviously steals the show um with what 16 threes I think it was that he ends the night with scoring 50 points, just an insane uh showing uh, of shooting. I think at one point he was almost two-half court, so he wasn't even cr- uh, past half court. And Allen Iverson, who was in with the broadcast team, was saying, shoot it, shoot it. And, you know, you wouldn't blame him for shooting it the way that he was going. So that was awesome. And then LeBron to, to end the game with the game tied, the next point uh, wins in the format that they had this year. Uh, for him to hit that crazy one-legged turnaround, patented LeBron, uh, it was it was something to behold for, for a couple kids from Akron.
0: Yeah, a couple kids from Akron. I remember when the twenty fifteen finals uh, were about to start. They they showed the graphic that both of those kids were were from Akron, Ohio, and obviously LeBron is pretty famous for it. But you know it's good for Steph to also go back home and you know showcase his skills. It's been quite a ride for Steph. You know it's it's been an MVP campaign this this year for him with the Warriors. They're they're sitting pretty comfortable with the number two seed. But um, for him to play with with LeBron, it's always a, a spectacle spectacle to to see to behold. Um, yeah some of those shots were just they were out of this world i i was just dumbfounded by the fact that somebody can do that but um yeah it's 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 special because steph is he's he's been criticized we 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 know this and and at the same time he he has so much talent that it's you know he was in the nba top 75 for a reason and and um i think a moment like this it, it definitely highlights how, how great of a player he is, even when sometimes he can um, be put under the rock. But Amanda, what were what were some of your highlights as well for, for this all star break?
2: I mean I really liked the, the rising stars, everything about that. Um just wanna shout out to Scotty Barnes for his <laughs> four straight misses under like right on the basket. That was probably the funniest thing of the weekend. Um I had a no, I had a lot of fun, obviously dunk contest aside um, watching this weekend, and I'm obviously a fan of the younger players in the NBA, so getting to see j- my boy Josh Giddey, you know, in the uh, the skills challenge, playing in the Rising Stars game, it was really cool, and um, I like the format that they had this year for the Rising Star game. It was just, it was cool seeing, you know, all, like, your favorite players from the different teams come together for one night. I liked it.
0: Yeah, it the Scotty Barnes thing. I mean, it, it was hard to see. I think everyone can agree on that. But at the same time, I think we have to cut him some slack. I think by the by the second miss, he was probably not even trying. He and and I, I saw a little bit of that when he was at FSU. He just he he's a very relaxed player. He he, he takes a lot of pride in his talent, so he almost puts these things you know above himself. So. Um, it's definitely a, one of those Twitter things that are, are going to come back to bite him. I think.
2: Yeah, I think he was happy that he made people laugh. Like at the end, of, <laughs> at the end of it, he was they were laughing obviously, yeah. but he was like, you know what, we made people laugh, so I'll give it to Scotty for that.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. funny. They 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 had the, they were showing all the players in the lineups, and I'm like, I, I actually kind of like Scotty and, and Tyrese Maxey in this in this <laughs> competition, and then for it to go the way that it did <laughs> afterwards, uh, it was I had egg on my face, just embarrassed that I picked them to win.
0: Oh man, Scotty Barnes, we we definitely miss him here in Tallahassee. But
2: mm.
0: you know, uh, Noah, uh, it was it was really cool to see you know the the top 75 players being unveiled. Um, we had every sort of former player in there, including Michael Jordan. You know, making his appearance. Uh, not not very often we see him with LeBron James and in, in such a public event. So that was one of my, fu- my one of my favorite moments. Um, it was just cool to see him in and, and a very relaxed mood it, it seemed like every single picture and video of him with players even outside of LeBron they were just having a really good time including uh him pulling up with uh, a little bit of alcohol and some, <laughs> some maybe some cards as well because you know <laughs> his gambling that's MJ for you uh, that's, yeah. that's who he is so he's not gonna you know put that away by any means but yeah no I was just curious to see what were some of your highlights as well
3: I yeah I definitely thought it was cool seeing LeBron and um and MJ together. I remember seeing a picture somewhere of him from a long, long time ago, scared little kid, uh, just entering the NBA, giving MJ a handshake, and then this time they're like hugging. Um, But for me, definitely what stood out the most was Steph Curry, I mean, he came off a season where he was really not shooting well at all. Um, I think it was his worst three-point season. And, you know, to hit 16 threes, and like you said before, he's shooting them behind half court, he was shooting them turning around, it was crazy just you know he showed everyone again why he's you know why he deserves the the all-star trophy uh or the mvp trophy and why he's the best three-point shooter so that was really cool just watch him
0: yeah speaking of th- really good three-point shooters we, i think uh, at least some of us saw the the ray allen with lebron little interaction and and <laughs> kevin garnett and, and paul pierce just kind of on the side of it. it was just really really bad but then they they ended up taking a picture afterwards, so you know maybe there's no beef there, um, but you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of drama in the NBA, so it's it's kind of par for the course. I think
1: I think there'll always be something between <laughs> between those guys and Boston there. Um, one more thing I wanted to touch on Steph Curry. I just thought it was perfect that in the midst of one of his worst shooting seasons of all time, and he gets booed before the game even starts by the the, the home team, he goes off in o- the only fashion that that a guy like Steph can and just wows the crowd. Just smiling, skipping down the court, uh, definitely put on a show for the ages, for for everyone to see. Yeah, he just
0: shoots it and then he turns it around like he knows it's going in. It's yeah. next level kind of confidence. Shooters touch, shooters shoot. Um, but we have to maybe a little bit talk about as well LeBron with with what's going on with with his son. You know, he he did the the old LeBron putting pressure on his <laughs> on his own team management uh, to try to see what th- what they can do to make his, his odds better for this year and next year going forward. But obviously, with Bronny, you know, being slated to, to be drafted in the near future, LeBron's looking to see if he can make it happen to, to, to be on the same team as his son, which would be an incredible feat. But it also begs the question of where he's going to end his career. He is in his 18th year, I believe. I, I've lost track, <laughs> um, you know. But obviously, he's still with the Lakers they um Still in contention for the playoffs. We'll, we'll get into that as we kind of wrap up um, here. But yeah, what do you guys think? What, what is LeBron's move um, going forward? Or right now, is he just putting pressure for the sake of putting pressure? Is this, there's been some talk about him going to the Cavs, going back home once again uh, because the Cavs are actually doing good for once. So yeah,
1: I, I can't see LeBron going back to Cleveland. I think that he's very uh, very safe in in Los Angeles right now, and I I don't think there's any pressure at this point on on him or there's no real inclination of him putting pressure on Bronny. I think Bronny's at the age where, you know, he's his own person now. He's making the decision to go to want to try and go pro. Uh, and LeBron's treating him as, as a as a fellow basketball player and he's just saying that he would love to watch it or would love to play with him eventually. Yeah. And I, I think LeBron can do it. He can stay out there for as long as he needs to to, to <laughs> wait until he uh Bronny Junior gets there. No.
3: Uh yeah, i you know I think since Bronny's, you know, he's not necessarily a first-round draft pick. Um, and I know LeBron's uh, contract is coming to an end in 2023. Um, so he's going to – I don't know where he's going to go, but I think he's I think he's just trying to, you know, up Bronny's um, position in the draft. I think he – you know, any team that can get LeBron James for drafting Bronny is going to – you know they're gonna want that as a first-round draft pick because they're getting you know not just the Sun but they're getting LeBron and that's <laughs> that's gonna bring lots and lots of money even if it's just for one more year that he plays they're gonna make lots of money from ticket sales and the whole city is just gonna gonna
0: grow so yeah the amount of publicity that would bring into to any city it would be remarkable I do think it, once again this is the thing that people have talked a lot about is how does this affect not LeBron's legacy but how does this affect Bronny himself um, he's his own person like you said Luke but at the same time if he's his own person then shouldn't he like be away from all this distraction like I personally wouldn't want to like have that idea of like oh I'm gonna have to play with my dad
1: oh no I, I don't think that there's any pressure for him to play specifically with his dad I'm just saying that they're they're at the point where Le- if LeBron gets asked if he wants to play with his son LeBron's gonna feel fine to, to do that because he knows that Bronny can make his own decisions. He's Lebron's just stating a fact that he wants to play with his son. I don't think there's any pressure on that.
4: Yeah,
0: I, I certainly want to see it for one. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope it happens. It's definitely still not anytime soon. Um, but I guess we can just briefly touch on the Dawn contest. What, what was the worst part about that, Amanda?
2: I mean, besides how it ended, like in a default because you know they couldn't finish and. Um, you know, it was ending to d- default basically I just thought there was nothing really creative About any of these dunks this year I, Although I was a fan of Cole Anthony's dunk When he wore the timbers, the Timbs And he jumped over his dad I was a fan of that But just like, it just wasn't It didn't, did, didn't do it for me this year It wasn't creative, it just wasn't I feel like they could have done a lot more with it yeah, I, I
0: haven't heard a single person say anything positive about it. I, I, I'll say this: I I only saw the highlights. A friend of mine was actually watching it in our in our TV room, and and you know he came back to me and he was like, "Oh, I should have let you like play FIFA. I it was not <laughs> worth my time." So <laughs> there you go, if anybody was wondering. But kind of zooming out of the 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 NBA now, we we're looking at the East, and it's actually looking a bit entertaining, unlike uh, the West for once. And Miami and Chicago they're tied with a 38 and 21 record uh with a couple weeks before the playoffs start Luke would you call yourself a Chicago fan
1: Uh, I would call myself a diehard Bulls fan okay there we go absolutely
0: so how are you how are you feeling about um the Bulls I mean right now they're they're looking really good they I think a lot of teams or not a lot of teams a lot of fans expected them to improve a lot but is this kind of where you saw them at the all-star break
1: it's it's been an up and down season the entire season for the Chicago Bulls. So they get off to an, an a decent start um early in in November uh and then they kind of rise to a a peak uh when DeMar DeRozan hits those two back-to-back nights he hits game-winning uh, shots at the buzzer to to help the Bulls eventually rise to the number 1 seed at the time. Then you have injuries to Alex Caruso. Remember, there was that controversial Grayson yeah. Allen shove that ends up fracturing Alex Caruso's wrist. You have guys like Derrick Jones Jr. go down with knee injuries. Um, for a while, Zach Levine is, is hobbled by a knee injury. Uh, and they kind of go on, slip under the radar a little bit. And, and Lonzo Ball, on top of that, they're one of their best ball handlers and players overall. Um, but they've started a rebound. DeMar DeRozan, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's been... I want to say eight games in a row that he's had 35 points or more. Just an insane MVP caliber season uh, for DeMar in that that regard. Um, So I I feel very confident in that if this is the product that we're getting from the Bulls when they're not completely 100%, um, I can't wait to find out what we see from them as the playoffs start to roll around. Because a lot of these guys, save for Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan, uh, they just haven't had the experience in the playoffs yet. Guys like Nikola Vucevic, has been there maybe once. Zach Levine, one of their star players, has never been to the playoffs. This is his contract year where he said, there's nothing I care more about than winning and getting to the playoffs. So I think this is a motivated Chicago Bulls team um, that's only going to get healthier. Uh, We'll see what these new and improved teams uh, outside of them look like, though, in the playoffs as well. Right,
0: because I don't believe the Bulls made any moves, any major moves on the trade deadline Mm today. No. Uh,
1: They they did pick up Tristan Thompson, but that was – that was uh, after he was released so right so off of
0: speaking of the trade deadline we we mentioned this last last week last week's episode but the nets and the sixers did make a huge trade with James Harden at the center of it and now that that's kind of shaping up the east all in itself but the bucks are also still looming around the the picture so the east is is kind of a mess right now there's still a lot a lot of basketball left to play and seeding is only seeding but at the same time i think when you when you look at the east right now amanda you you see a little bit of the the old guard kind of you know shifting and now you know you see chicago and you see miami coming in miami not too long ago was in the finals um but in the finals they lost goren dragage and now the nets are picking him up so the nets are for me the biggest question mark right now how do you see the nets going into the playoffs because they've had a really interesting regular season to say the least they've been up and down but they still have Kevin Durant now Ben Simmons and still Kyrie Irving as well as a lot of new players a lot of new pieces that they have to somehow implement into the lineup so how do you see the the Nets going into the playoffs
2: I mean like most teams this year I mean injuries have been a huge thing been battling I mean we've all like a lot of teams have had just very up and down seasons um you know I'm still pulling for the Nets I've been a Kyrie fan for a while so I'm you know, I'm curious to see how they I mean, they have a their roster is pretty stacked, I mean, if you look at it um, with Blake Griffin KD uh, Patty Mills, Kyrie Ben Simmons, you know, like, they've got the talent there, it's just, you know we'll see what happens, if they execute or not and hopefully nobody else gets injured but, yeah, it'll be curious to see
0: Yeah, with they. with Ben Simmons and, and Kevin Durant, it's, it's one of the best deals in the NBA, I, I would think, but at the same time you still have that guy in Milwaukee, Noah. <laughs> how how do you feel about him? Oh man. Uh
3: I just think I think Giannis is, you know, one of the if not the greatest basketball player right now. Um uh, he was battling Jokic 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 Jokic. Jokic <laughs> that's his name. Um, you know, for um, for the MVP, Sorry, MVP prospect. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly think that Giannis is just he's got the size, he's got the he can shoot, he dr- drives, he you know, he's he's the whole package, so I think the Bucks, you know, like the Nets are a question mark, I think we can't knock off the Bucks. The Bucks are it just depends on how Giannis performs each day, so
0: Yeah. And kinda like we were mentioning before, Luke, the Cavs, they're they're actually in the playoffs. They they look to be a threat, but will they be enough of a threat to upset somebody like the Nets or even the Sixers.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting that both the Sixers and the Cavs, we talk about the Bucks and the Nets possessing Giannis and Kevin Durant, who can absolutely take over a series no matter what. Those are the two guys that um, no matter who they're faced up with, I'm going to believe in the Nets and Bucks. At the same time, you look at the Sixers and the Cavs, they possess an and <clears throat> sorry an unequivocal advantage over all the other teams in the East down low you talk about guys like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen for the Cavs. And also Joel Embiid, who's right up there with Giannis and Jokic for MVP honors as well. I'll throw in DeMar DeRozan in there too, cause <laughs> I'm a Bulls fan. Um, but they can bang around with the best of them and no one else in the East really has an answer for either of those teams. You combine that with the fact that the Sixers pick up James Harden can possess the ball 90% of the time if he needs to, and then dish it out to Joel Embiid. And then Darius Garland, MVP from the Cavs, uh, has been one of the best point guards in the league this year. I think both of those teams are going to be really, really slept on come postseason time just because there are so many other bigger names in the East. But those are two teams that I'm looking at that could make a splash second e- second round, uh, maybe even Eastern Conference round for sure, just because of the size down low that they possess. Do you?
0: What do you foresee as a bigger threat to the Nets? Not the Nets, the, the Sixers' success. James Harden's like... Ability to come in and, you know, be who he is after, you know, not the best of regular season so far or Joel Embiid's health because we, we have known him to be also injury prone. Um, he's had a really good season so far, but anything can happen once, you know, something happens.
1: <laughs> right. I I think it's it's very. um it's very trivial trying to project what a player is going to do based on previous injury history. Um, I'm not going to make any projections on the Sixers uh, based on the argument that Joel Embiid will get hurt. Um, I think that as long as he stays healthy, the Sixers are a top-four team in the East, along with uh, the Heat, the Bucks, and the Nets when Kevin Durant is healthy. I think those are the four best teams when you're looking at uh, going forward in the East. Um, and I, th- I think James Harden, say what you want about him, but he's in a new spot. I, I get, I get, I get that we said this last time when he went to Brooklyn last year that he'd be motivated, and for give him credit, he did try to play in that series against the Bucks on a torn hamstring. Um, but in the end, it's I, I guess you're right. It's going to come down to whether Embiid stays healthy. If he is healthy, there's not a more dominant big man in the game in the East. Obviously, there's that Joker in the West.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the Sixers are are probably the the biggest wild card right there with the Nets. You know, the Nets are. They're struggling to get back into a good seeding position, which we'll definitely see them go against somebody uh, worthy of their, their caliber in probably the second round, which begs the question, who do you want the Bulls to face, mm. you know, trying to, trying to get to the, the the semifinals you know, or the finals for the East?
1: So the Bulls, if, if the season ended today, they'd play the Raptors in the first round, who they've beaten multiple times this year. I wouldn't worry too much about them, even though I like Scotty Barnes. I like Fred Van Vliet. Uh, shout out, Scotty Barnes. We'll, we'll give him any... We'll, <laughs> we'll shout him out any opportunity we get. Um, but then when you're looking at the second round, um, I think the Bulls would match up really well with the Nets. They've beaten them a couple times this year. Um, the one team that I would not want the Bulls to face uh, is the 76ers. Joel Embiid and the Sixers have never lost to the Bulls in their entire time together. Um, so that would be a team I don't think that the Bulls have a whole lot of answers for. Them in the Miami Heat because the Heat... For the last decade and a half, it seems like have owned the the Bulls, no matter what iteration of the Heat or what iteration of the Bulls you get. Um, so those those are two teams I would want to stay away from. But definitely the Nets I like against the the Bulls, and maybe maybe the Cavs. Although I'm scared of them too. Yeah,
0: and another team that we haven't even mentioned is the Celtics. Um, they still have Jason Tatum and uh, yeah, I forgot who, who's the other Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. Jaylen guy, Brown yeah. Of course, um, Noah. I heard you're a Celtics fan. How do you feel about the East right now with, with what's going on?
3: Yeah, um, I mean we've won 11 of the last, or the Celtics have won 11 of the last 13 games um, before the break. Um, so I'm I'm excited. Um, we blew out the 76ers, um, and unfortunately we lost Marcus Smart to um, Joel Embiid's foot. <laughs> he stepped on his foot, and so he's out and. Yeah Tatum's been doing great he had 28 in that game and Brown had 29 and so I'm excited they'll be playing the Nets
0: um this week yeah and I guess we can kind of shift now into the west side of things Amanda you're you are the Thunder fan here and in in the station (laughs) it is it is quite the title to behold but you know you're also a Miami fan so (laughs) there's a lot of pain to go around but what's this season been like for the for the Oklahoma City from there
2: I mean, lots of ups and downs with, I mean, injuries. I think, like, besides Giddy, our starting five has been out. It's inconsistent, the injuries and even the COVID protocols and everything. Um, But, you know, the silver lining has definitely been the performance by the rookies that we've seen with um, Trey Mann, Josh Giddy. You know, it's been – it's very – the future is bright, you know. They're in a rough patch right now. I heard somewhere that uh, Shea Gilders alexander might be – making a comeback which would be good you know we need him just in time um yeah it's it's been rough but i i uh i like i like going for the underdogs and um seeing all these young kids just like dominate has been really cool and something that i've liked following even though they're not doing the best overall um I also think LeBron and Bronny are going to OKC, and I'll leave it on that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a way to leave it on. But on the other side of the spectrum, we have the Phoenix Suns. They're they're looking like a lock to make the the conference finals. But once again, injury issues with Chris Paul make it a big question mark. He's slated to miss about six to eight weeks with a right thumb fracture. And then we have the Warriors. They're back. They're back in contention. They are looking at the number two seed, like I said before. And the Lakers are somehow back in the play-in contest, sitting in ninth place with Anthony Davis injured once again. So while the West is a little bit less interesting, it's still not a foregone conclusion of who will make the finals. Luke, I know you're a Grizzlies fan as well, mm. on the side, low-key. But how do you, how do you see the, the West playing out right now?
1: So I think the Suns, for the most part, are the standard in the NBA right now. They're an absolute well-oiled machine. They have been for the last two seasons, really, under Monte Williams and Chris Paul's guidance. They have just they have the utmost confidence of any team that I've seen in the last decade, it seems like. They're just incredibly awesome. Um, but, that being said, outside of the Suns, I really like this Grizzlies team. I don't know what it is about them. I love John Moran. I love Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson. Uh, they've just built a really, really strong culture uh, in Memphis, I think, uh, one that has a lot of young, confident players that just like going out there and making plays on a consistent basis. And they've had the Warriors' number. You go all the way back to the play-in tournament last year and that win or go home game for both the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Warrior, or The Grizzlies went into Oracle, albeit a COVID-separated Oracle, uh, and they beat the Warriors. Oh, wait, did I, I have to correct myself. <laughs> Chase, the Chase Center, not Oracle Arena. it. They they moved to San Francisco there. Yep. But I really like this Grizzlies team and John Morant and what they have to offer. Um, and then aside from them, the Jazz. I think they're they're in the same category of the Suns in that I think you know what you're going to get on a night in and night out basis. The problem with the Jazz is when they get to the postseason, there's always always a team that is going to exploit Rudy Gobert when he's on the floor, and they're going to play small ball, and they're probably going to have the upper hand on the Jazz. Just because Rudy Gobert is such a one-dimensional player, albeit a great dimension, a he's an he's an All-Star for a reason. He's great at what he does. But in the playoffs, when you have to make adjustments, the Jazz seemingly don't have answers at any time for him. Um, and now they they've traded a couple of players away. We'll we'll see what happens there. But I I really like the Grizzlies and the Suns if I'm trying to rank the the teams in the West.
0: Yeah, and and. I think he went last, Rudy Gobert, in the in the in the All Star draft once he again. He and Harden both went last. So, yeah. there you go. And if it wasn't clear before, Team LeBron won once again. But enough of my LeBron propaganda. That's gonna do it for the first half of the show. You've been listening to Delvia Tallahassee, and now you're listening to the Seminal Segment with Jack Oliaro.
4: Hi, I'm Jack Oliaro. I'm like, hey, what's up, hello, and this is the weekly Seminal Segment, highlighting and relaying all of the latest in Florida State athletics. And we begin here in home sweet home, Tallahassee, where the, home, where the Florida State women's basketball team looked for the upset over the 24th-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels at home. FSU was winners of four of their last five, and in one of their better forms against a Tar Heel side who just upset the third-best team in the nation in the Louisville Cardinals. The two were very back-and-forth as they traded six- or seven-point runs throughout the first three quarters, the Seminoles fighting tooth and nail with a quality ACC opponent, but the fourth quarter came and all four wheels came flying off the bus as poor shot selection, being out-rebounded 4-11. Playing their fourth game in only eight days and UNC playing fast and furious ball left the Donald L. Tucker in disappointment and awe as they fall to 8-8 in conference play. Uh, the Knowles will host their final home game against the 22nd-ranked Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who've lost their last two home games to good but not amazing ACC sides. The final home game means it'll be senior night and a farewell to the following Uh, guard Courtney Weber, rebound leader Valencia Myers, lethal long-range shooter Bianca Jackson, and points leader and, in my opinion, one of the most underrated athletes here at at Florida State in recent time, Morgan Jones. And from hitting jumpers to hitting the links, we moved to Melbourne and PCB, where the Florida State women and men's golf teams were wrapping up day two of their respective invitationals. The women finished on top of the leaderboards for the second day in a row as they hit a 287 today, one below par, and one off of yesterday's leading score of 286. They're led by Charlotte Heath, who shot two under par both days, sitting four under and fourth in individual boards. LSU's Ingrid, Ingrid Lindbad was playing her, out of her mind as she is crushing the field at 11 under, four ahead of the next player, and a staggering 16 strokes ahead of the closest teammate. The men performed much better in Panama City today, going four under, as a team had a, a very lackluster plus-five day yesterday. They moved up to 10th in the leaderboards and are led by freshmen. Freshman Danish, uh, Frederick Keishtup, who shot five under today and moved to third in the player leaderboards. The tee times for the women will uh, and the men will be out shortly. And you can track their performances throughout the final rounds on golfstat.com tomorrow. And before we go, FSU is currently down 15 to 25. And they are led by Cameron Fletcher, who has six points, and Matthew Cleveland with four points and five rebounds. As they're about seven minutes left in the first half, um, with plenty of basketball still to go. But that's gonna do it for this week's edition of Seminal Segment. Gabe and Will, or sorry, Gabe and Luke, run it. And we are back for the second half of Tomahawk Talk. Thank you so much for
1: listening. Unreal, man. Unreal.
0: <laughs> Luke is a little bit hurt about that, but we'll we'll try to brush through that and keep going. Uh, we got plenty of sports to talk here with FSU baseball, FSU softball, and like I said before, we'll definitely sprinkle in a little bit of soccer right at the end of the show. And yeah, I mean FSU baseball, they're they're probably the pride of Florida state athletics right now uh obviously softball i would throw him in, in in there as well but when it comes to the men's side of things um they're holding down the fort because the men's basketball team has not been doing too good they don't deserve much airtime today unfortunately they can they can prove us wrong they can you know get that back <laughs> in a week or so but for now we're going to keep it with the fsu baseball crew because they kick things off in their opening week with a triple header against james madison at home winning 4-1 on opening day And then it combined 23 to 6, the other two. And, of course, there's the James Madison aspect of things. Everyone wants to, you know, kind of throw that and say, hey, it's not that meaningful. But at the same time, I think it's really encouraging to see the guys out there, you know, uh, getting back to the swing of things. Um, You know, there's a lot of optimism surrounding this team with with Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard, who was named ACC Pitcher of the Week after striking out 13 James Madison batters. So, Luke. What are some of your expectations? We always have to go to the that E-word when it comes to, to FSU athletics. What are you expecting for, for this team going forward?
1: I'm, I'm expecting you know gradual improvement as we get further into the season for sure. I thought it was a really encouraging start, the way that they handled business. Starting on, and we're going to get more into to how the series transpired, but it's, it's kind of boring talking about it at this point. But Parker Messick is just an absolute animal on the mound there. He goes five and two-thirds on Friday as he should be as the Friday starter um, striking out 11 it's uh, he struck out the oh sorry <laughs> he had the third most in program history, 11 strikeouts on opening day and the most since Brian Henry had uh, when Brian Henry had 11 in 2007 uh, FSU struck out 18 in total on Friday just King up JMU left and right um, so a really strong, strong start on, on Friday there
0: yeah thats this FSU baseball team they they're ranked eleventh for a reason you know they're, they're they're supposed to be here and they're supposed to be beating these teams, but at the same time you know the the way that they did it, it was really impressive it was it was efficient. Amanda, what can you tell us since you were you know pretty up close and personal?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so especially for my like first season as a row. it's been really this first weekend was really nice to see them off to such a great start. I'm excited to like be along for the journey as much as I can be. Um, I just wanted to – I Reese Albert, he was really, I feel like, a difference maker this weekend. You know, he's had – he's been through so much with injuries, and it was great to, like, see him back up to speed. Um, really a spark of this team, I think. Because I, I was thinking about it, I was like, I feel like he's been around forever. And he has, but, you know, he's talented, so it's it's been helping us out. So it's been really great to see him have such a good weekend. And, um, you know – Even down kids, uh, players like Tyler Martin and Jordan Carrion, like, people stepped up, and you could tell, um, which is really, like, promising for the next – for, like, the remainder of the season. Uh, I want to shout out to James Tibbs for his first home run at his first career college at bat. I think that was insane, and I'm excited to see what he's got up his sleeve. He seems like a little – we got a little, like, secret weapon (laughs) at Tibbs, but – Pretty cool weekend. Do
0: you get to talk to the players a little bit? or
2: Not really. I have not yet, but um, I'll give them some tips. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that'll, that'll get them on the right track. Yeah. Noah, what was it like covering us, you know, the Twitter and, and all that, but in general just some of your opening day, uh, opening weekend thoughts?
3: Yeah, so I went just with some friends on Friday to watch, and, man, it was awesome to see FSU just, you know, take control. I guess Friday was – only four to one, but the rest of the weekend, you know, take control 13 to two on Saturday. And, uh, I think it was 10 to four on Sunday. Um, it was just awesome. The, the crowd was energized and the pitchers, man, I loved just watching the pitchers and it was cool on Sunday. They kept switching up all the pitchers and, um, just to see how, how deep, uh, FSU is with their pitchers. Um, and I know we talked about Hubbard, you know, the ACC, ACC um, pitcher of the week as he should be um, 13 strikeouts uh, that was awesome and then of course Messick and Dunn were both um, they both showed up and as well as the rest of the pitchers that came and played so I was excited about the pitchers
0: yeah the bullpens definitely one of the strengths of this team and I, I do remember Elijah kaboom last year and, and that's one of the oh, players yeah. that I'm gonna I'm gonna be missing you know but for Tyler Martin, I think he he's a player that like can step up, um, hopefully, and you know carry on a little bit of that family legacy. Luke, what do you what what's what's a player that maybe's going under the radar for you that has a lot of potential that people aren't talking about, or is there any? Have we talked about them all?
1: No, I don't think. I mean, we've touched on Logan Lacey maybe a little bit, but I I, I thought Logan Lacey had a great. Uh, great end to, or he was able to cap off what was a great weekend for him and the entire team. Um, he broke the game open on on Sunday with a three run homer in the fourth inning. Yeah, by then the game was kind of already out of reach, uh, eight to one. But Logan Lacey's a guy that FSU is going to need to step up this season, add a little bit more depth to that lineup um, after trying to replace uh, a lot of people. Um, so that that would be one guy that I would I would look at in yeah. particular.
0: Yeah, this this baseball team. There's a lot of good players, and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be covering them for the whole season. I know, Amanda, you have one more thing?
2: I was just going to say, Alex Sorrell, great weekend. Uh, I saw somewhere that he had nine RBIs in his nine at-bats already as a seminal. Like, that's crazy. I'm really excited to see how he does this year. I think he's definitely um, somebody to look out for as well. I
0: believe he's a transfer as well. Yeah, from
2: yeah. university. Not Miami, like Miami University, I think. I could be wrong. But yeah,
0: not that one. <laughs> not um, the one down south. <laughs> but yeah, they're going to travel to Jacksonville tomorrow night, so um, if you want to check them out, there you go. But they'll also be back in Tallahassee against Samford for a triple header this weekend, so there you go. But on the other side of things, the Lady Knowles, they walked off number three UCLA in extra innings this past weekend to improve to 10-0 and on the season. Their last five wings came against ranked teams. So I think it's safe to say that this team is performing up to their potential. You know, last year they, they lost in the finals against Oklahoma, so they were definitely one of the better teams last year. They're, they're still one of the better teams this year. And they were ranked sixth going into the UCLA game. I think they're going to go up the rankings. That's just me. But in general, I think um, the, the coaching staff for this team is, is, once again, proving itself to be one of the best in the nation. That's probably their biggest strength. But they still have a lot of other talent. Um, the likes of Sandercock, Um, uh, Amanda, what do you, what do you see in this team right now?
2: I mean, like you were saying, Sandercock, she's legit. Like you can tell she came in clutch. Um, also Edenfield and, um, Flaherty, Flaherty. Flaherty. Yeah. <laughs> Both coming in making huge plays. Um, I mean, personally, this might be a hot take, but I think that FSU deserves the number one seed over Oklahoma. I know that Oklahoma has beaten teams, but a lot of unranked teams, not like Florida State has beaten f- ranked teams. So, I don't know, call me crazy, but I do believe that FSU uh, deserves that number one seed, but I guess we will see what happens when the rankings come out, but I'm, ex- I'm super excited to watch this team, you know, being in Tallahassee my first year, like, going to softball games, I'm really excited for that, and... um uh, yeah, I, I expect this team to go far again la- as last year.
0: Yeah, I've actually not had the pleasure of going to a softball game yet. But from your opinion, what's the difference in the vibe, just attendance or, or even how the game's being played? Is it a little bit more relaxed or is is the intensity still there?
2: I mean, I think, you know, COVID aside, with everyone back, like things basically up to full swing, you know, attendance is up. And with, with them having such a great season last year, there's more – not pressure, but there's more attention on this yeah. team. So, you know, students are showing up and the fans are showing up and putting a lot of energy into this team because they deserve it. You know, they went so far last year, and I feel like they deserve all the praise. And, you know, I I watched – I remember watching the finals last year, and I'm excited to, you know, be in Tallahassee again, like I said, to see it in person. Um, but this team deserves it. I'm, I'm really excited.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the UCLA game – Danielle Watson. She started the game for Florida State. She pitched the first 4.2 innings, recording five strikeouts. She led up three runs in the game, one earned. And then Catherine Sandercock, like we talked about, she entered the game with one batter on in the fifth inning and got out of it. She finished the game with four strikeouts. And UCLA, they they were they scored first. Um, it was on to the fourth inning. The FSU took the lead, and then you know it was back and forth. It was uh, a game that went all the way down to the end, as as they say. <laughs> But Luke, is there is there anything from softball that that's catching your eye right now?
1: I I just think it was crazy that FSU was ranked behind UCLA to start to start the game, but thankfully this kind of cleared things up. Um, nothing more to say. Lonnie Alameda uh, owns UCLA. She's now eight and three against uh, them in her time at Florida State, and it's always a it's always a treat to watch these two programs, some of the best that that college softball has to offer when they go head to head. Also. Kaylee Harding is an absolute beast, and she got off to another great start. Uh, Obviously, she hit the walk-off last night, um, but after being all ACC third team and all ACC freshman team last year, she starts off the season slugging 600 with two home runs, eight RBIs, just absolutely carrying the freight uh, for this FSU softball team.
0: Well, Luke, I think we've touched a lot on on FSU baseball, FSU softball, but... I know we probably won't have you on the show for a little bit longer, so I just want to, you know, get your read on this. This, this basketball team that we got going on here in Tallahassee, <laughs> is there any hope, or, or is this just something that FSU fans are gonna have to, you know, kind of mull over and you know say, hey, it was just one season.
1: I I think that there's there was, I think it's just a disconnect between our expectations for the program and the team and the effort that they're giving right now. Um, that's gonna happen when when you get to a point like Florida State is at. Um, on a consistent basis as a program, where you aren't always going to make the tournament, it's happened to every single college basketball program imaginable. And FSU is just in a rut right now, whether that be injuries or or uh, or whatnot. You know, players failing to reach their own expectations that have contributed to that. Um, it's just been a tough go of things. I don't think it's anything to freak out about. I don't think that Leonard Hamilton should be on the hot seat for them <laughs> underperforming this season. Um, I just think it's the case where this was clearly unlike the last couple of years where there was much more uh, confidence and, and culture uh, that was on display for FSU. I think this is just a feeling out process this year. Um, I still expect great things going forward for Florida State, and I'm going to continue to as long as Leonard Hamilton is uh, leading the way.
0: Yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that Leonard Hamilton and, and the and the hot seat are, are supposed to be in the same sentence right now or right. even – a year from now, hopefully not. Um, but you know, it was encouraging to see them against Duke in the first half. They were they were competing. Um, so Duke they... is a really good team. <laughs> <laughs> and they yeah. already beat them this
1: year. Like I I get it. It's it's in Cameron. FSU's banged up a little bit. I don't I don't read a whole lot into that at yeah. this point in the season. It's not like I'm dropping dead to the floor because FSU went on the road and lost to Duke. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's one of those things where you can't win them all and every once in a while you have that one season where you're actually a little bit more excited than you probably should be because, you know, things have been going really well, but you just don't see the, the things <laughs> that the future holds. Um, such as injuries, which nobody can really predict, so uh, you just have to have mercy on this team as a fan right now, and you know, they'll probably, you know, make up for it in the next couple of years, but we're going to switch now into the world of soccer. This exciting... Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Buckle up, everyone. We got Scott Clemens in the booth talking for the first time in quite a while. And Jack Oliaro, who's our resident Liverpool fan. Scott, Chelsea fan. Myself, Barcelona fan. So, got a lot of t- stuff to talk about. Because I don't know when's the next time we're going to talk about soccer. So, we'll make this <laughs> as quick as possible. But the Premier League, it's supposed to be the most exciting league the best league in the world for those that don't really get to to talk a lot about soccer best teams are usually in the top four qualifying for the Champions League which is what makes it so exciting every single year you don't really know who's gonna make it Um, but Manchester City they've been on track to win the Premier League for most of the year Um, unfortunately for them they have dropped a couple points recently and their double-digit point lead they had has now dwindled down to only six points to Liverpool who have a game at hand and still have the opportunity to steal points on the road against the Citizens on April 9th, which is still a long way from now, but it does leave six games after that game to close out the season. So it is very important for them to get into that game with less than three points of a deficit and then close out the season. So I ask you, Jack, how confident are you that the Reds can pull this off? Because at one point it seemed like the season was over and now they're somehow back in it
4: liverpool never really underperformed it was just um it was just some not, not even losses just draws that were very necessary to teams that you shouldn't teams that you shouldn't tie with and uh it seems like they're getting thing back in the swing of things uh getting some quality wins uh obviously their big uh win over manchester united uh earlier this season i feel like really put um the reds back in line and really kind of got them chipped back in um they had a really good win this past weekend over Norwich. Uh, it was kind of late. It was, in fact, Norwich took the lead at one nothing, um, which was a little worrying. But it was Liverpool came back. Mane, Salah, uh, and uh, new signing Diaz came in and uh, got the points for the Reds, which is very encouraging to see your new signings come in and already uh, putting on putting on something for the team. But it's not so much that I don't excuse me don't trust Liverpool. I I've always been accustomed to Man City just. Stealing it at the end and always just robbing Robbing Liverpool, I mean I remember in eighteen nineteen where it was um, Liverpool had no losses, their only loss Was to Man City, Man City Had three losses, but those draws were critical And that's what made Liverpool lose title race, even though Both teams won on a stretch where they won Their last 12 games, and it was an incredible Stretch, and it was 98 to Man City, 97 Liverpool, so Man City Has haunted me for a while, and I see no Reason to feel confident now As the pessimistic person that <laughs> I am in the first Place, so but it's definitely an opportunity gotta say uh thank you to tottenham and their fans um for making this a little more interesting uh and really putting this kind of in our hands uh just man city would still need to um either draw or um loss even if both teams went perfect and liverpool beat man city but i'm liking the way the reds are going um man city's trending in the direction trending in the direction i want them to but you just never know with it's only february there's still plenty of game time left
0: yeah there's definitely a lot of game time left and you spoke about Luis Diaz, the new signing there. My friend, uh, he calls him the Brazilian Neymar or the Colombian Neymar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's some expectations there with him, but I think it's it's one of the better signings. It's it's a it's a great match between a player's talent and potential, and also the style uh, of the team and and how they can hopefully you know make a match for a couple more years because we know how good the 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 Sane. Sane the Mane, the Sala, and the Firmino trio have been so. With Jota, we don't know how good he he will be going forward, but for now, he's been golden for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we'll, we'll we'll see how how Luis Diaz impacts his team. But it might be the player that they needed to to light a fire to to go all the way and and make a heroic comeback in this season. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Luis Diaz and, and his potential, just to, to make an impact? Cause it he he's only come in for a couple of weeks now, maybe a month. He so is. Um
4: and he came in from Porto. Like I didn't I'm not watching the Portuguese league very often, but even even outside of that, you were always hearing week in week out on his performances and how he was linked to, you know, big teams like Liverpool and when we got him, it was very uh I was super excited about getting him at the prospect of him because he's such a quality player and it was honestly just more as the it was honestly just the thought of someone else is going to take him, so I'm just glad we have him because I'm just afraid. I'm afraid of anybody accumulating anybody. So Man City I thought I thought really thought they could steal it away from them, but he went to Liverpool and he's already uh, making the goods. So that Man City game, um, assuming Liverpool has no dips in form, hopefully in the recent time up until that point will be a huge uh marquee yeah, match. That's
0: gonna be a must watch for me. But Chelsea, they're they're another top four team who they're sitting comfortable at third. Unfortunately it does not seem like a title race is on the horizon, but anything could happen, right, Scott? So uh, how do you see the the team just as a whole because they're coming off a Champions League you know trophy season so Expectations were high as, as always but you know losing 4-0 to Juventus in the Champions League group stage and you know A little bit of underperforming on the the Premier League side of things It's not been consistent as you would have expected from you know Tuchel who's been you know praised by everyone as one of the top managers in the world and you know this team has so much talent I think this could be a moment for you to just rant about Lukaku if you wanted to.
1: I
5: mean, comfortable comfortable in third is a great way to say underperforming. I think uh, early in the year, everyone like believed that there was a three-horse race for the title. It was Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea. And uh, Chelsea was some of the investment that they had gotten in the transfer window, one of those being Lukaku, which you had mentioned earlier. Uh, everyone thought that maybe this was going to be the year that they were kind of gonna break in maybe steal a couple points off of sitting liverpool and get the title obviously kind of we've had some in obviously chelsea have had some injury issues there's been some kind of locker room side stuff some like backdoor italian news stories that have kind of caused some issues in the locker room and ultimately what it's boiled down to is that the chelsea squad this year was just not quite where they needed to be yet in order to significant to in order to put up a significant challenge for the title and we can talk about some like lukaku's underperformed of of recent has complained about uh the formation not being right kind of the tactics being there U- ultimately i think it's just when you bring a lot of people in you have to figure out what works and to tukul is trying but it just hasn't tukul being the manager, it's just been trying but it just hasn't gotten in there. And with the injury issues that Chelsea have had with Reese James being out for the year, with uh Christensen kinda of being in in and out, it's just it hasn't been what it hasn't been what the squad has needed in order to fully develop to challenge for that. Ultimately I think for a lot of Chelsea fans you are looking at the Champions League in which you play Lille tomorrow round of sixteen will be will certainly be a tough one though leo's a very kind of sneaky team that can cause a lot of problems but ultimately you should win that game and if uh they manage to ride the same kind of momentum that they rode to the title last year they could maybe pull off back-to-back champions leagues that is not i think that is not out of the question (laughs) could be i would say more like certainly more likely than getting a league title but I, I think in terms of speaking solely on the Premier League, I'd say Chelsea are out of it.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, an unfortunate case where you know you end up as third in the Premier League. That's nothing to be ashamed of, in most years. And obviously, when you're when you're competing against Liverpool and Man City, the the two teams that have been running the league for the last half decade or so, it's certainly respectable. And you know, if you make it to the semifinals or even the quarterfinals in the Champions League, that's again respectable. Um, so it's it's a case of you know the expectations going into the year were really high for good reasons. You won the Champions League, you have, you made a, really g- a lot of good signings. So you, you as a Chelsea fan, I imagined you probably expected a lot more. Um, but at the same time, I think this this shows how how much effort and time it takes to, to build that kind of team that can challenge year in year out as the Liverpool's and the Man City's have had for the last couple of years. I, I saw Jack kind of grinning at, at Scott whenever <laughs> he was talking about winning the, the, the Champions League back-to-back. W- what do you think, Mr. Liverpool, of, of your odds against the Premier League and the Champions League? Which one do you see is, is most likely?
4: They have the prospect of running uh, running the table in the Premier League. I don't, I can't see them, not with the likes of City. They're very consistent. A um, Premier League actually favors them because the run of games just works for them. I don't like, in cup, cup competitions, they've generally struggled. They, fi- they seem like they got it together last year and then fell to Chelsea, but... Um, I am I would look towards Liverpool to do something in the Champions League. They have done it six times, um most in uh, Europe, which is awesome. But um <laughs> they've always they've always done well and I always think they have a chance to do something good there. They have uh they have a decent matchup. Um they're playing Inter, the current Italian champions. They beat them two nothing late. Uh it was a good win. Uh and I and that was a way I believed as well off the top of my head. And then they're coming back to Anfield. Anfield is a scary place to come play. Especially in the second leg of a Champions League match. So Inter would have to pull up some sort of monumental, maybe 4 nothing comeback that Liverpool did to Barcelona. Oh, uh,
0: you had to throw that in there. I didn't did. You? All right, we're just going to ignore that and keep going because, you know, the top four race, like I said, it is quite heated up right now with Manchester United, West Ham, Arsenal, Wolves, and of course Tottenham rounding up the top eight right now. But there's a lot of talk about games at hand and points and predictions. But in general, what are the teams that you think can kind of, you know, make the biggest push for the top four? I'm looking at Arsenal with what Arteta has been doing. He he seems to be turning things around in Arsenal, which is really impressive. Um, but at the same time, I mean, West Ham, they're, they're a team that you, you can't overlook them. as, as uh, They're not the, the fancy team. They're not the, the staple. But at the same time, they're there. So why would I argue against them in the last couple of months of the, the Premier League? I think you know, tottenham they're they are making the most out of it right now, but at the same time, I don't really see them having the juice to finish uh, based on where they're at right now. Scott?
5: Uh, I mean, West Ham, they're another one of those sneaky kind of good teams. There always seems to be one kind of Premier League team outside of kind of the main 4, 5, 6 that really, that really sneak in and cause some trouble. We, of course, saw Leicester City about five years ago take take – actually take home the title the first team outside outside of the big six to win it since the early 90s but uh west ham's kind of taken on that title this year uh michael antonio is one of the top strikers in the league right now ben rama's also been extremely good for them uh Declan rice is another solid young mid mid midfielder this is not kind of the West Ham of old that was struggling for that was struggling to get out of relegation two three years ago this is a solid squad with some young talent that could really kind of challenge the kind of bigger hands in the league
0: yeah it speaks to how good Declan Rice obviously you mentioned a lot of other talent there but I think it really shows how good he is a defensive midfielder for for England and he's he's been touted as the next big signing for a lot of premier league teams uh but even outside of england i think he he's the real deal and we'll see where he goes but for now he's he's doing the most in west ham manchester united of course we have to talk about them to finish up the show <laughs> they they've somehow found themselves outside of the top 4 when i remember at the start of the year i was sitting here with with Brett Rutherford and we were saying there's no way they don't make the top they don't get out of the top 4 uh, i mean we, we can talk about injuries and you know even the coaching changing but at the same time it's just unacceptable for them to be in this position isn't it
4: well they um actually looking at the table here they are in fourth at the moment with a four-point advantage over west ham however that's definitely not secure um as even down to tottenham um are pretty close to them as well in eighth place so really from if you uh, if you want to say man united west ham arsenal wolves and tottenham are really all in that running for that fourth spot and some potential europa league spots but I don't see Man United holding on to it just because just because you have Cristiano doesn't guarantee you win games, especially in the Prem. It can guarantee you to win some games in the group stage and some critical matches in the UCL. But uh, you don't get to play e- uh, Tuesday nights every week, and um, they, they've been struggling in the league. And Ronaldo, he can't just save them every weekend. They've had so many issues off the field. They had um, they they've had plenty of off the field issues. They're not getting it right uh, on the field either. It's just It's a weird situation despite the fact they're fourth they're holding on for the time being but i would be shocked if they're still there i much i much like west ham or arsenal arsenal because their lack of no europe which makes things a lot easier you can only focus on the prem and west ham with all the players that scott mentioned earlier and jared bowen is one of the most exciting prospects uh in england at the moment who was who seems destined to go um elsewhere either in england or maybe even abroad if he does that well
0: Yeah, not not 37 year old Cristiano Ronaldo. I know there's a CR7 fanboys that are immediately gonna gonna start saying something. But Scott, what do you got?
5: I what was interesting, kind of when we were talking about Man United earlier in the year was that everyone was talking about as soon as they signed Cristiano Ronaldo that they were gonna win the title and this was it and this was gonna be automatic. Cristiano Ronaldo, that transfer, it was very much like lipstick on a pig. Right, like he is the flashy. He is one of the best players that we have ever s- seen in the world. However, you're still missing a holding midfielder. Your de your your defense is the wreck, and you had already signed Jaden Sancho earlier that year, who could very well bloom into one of the top wingers in the league in the next few seasons. The Ronaldo trade, while it has been helpful and has kind of proved. Uh, worthwhile for them over time it still wasn't it was still going to only marginally increase their chances at winning the title which is why I don't I really don't see man United finish in the top four because the same issues that all that uh Ole had last year are still kind of there and I don't think their new manager his name, is I'm blanking on his right, name for Nick, the life of me. Yes, exactly. Germany. I don't think like those same problems are still existing because the squad depth just isn't there.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they also signed Veron And, you know, Sancho, he he hasn't lived up to the expectations. But at the same time, you know, the, the squad itself was already pretty decent. I think they, they had some holes and everything. But with Ronaldo, he, he's been scoring at a pretty good clip. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they've been having a lot of issues on the pitch, off the pitch whatever you name it, it is the Premier League after all. (laughs) This is what you come to expect. This is what makes it so good. But that's going to have to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening for Luke, for Scott, for Jack, for Noah, and for Amanda somewhere in the station. This has been Gabe Tisnes, and you've been listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.